0: Isaiah 51, 1 through 6. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rocks from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, and I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all of her waste places and will make her wilderness like Eden, her garden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation. For a teaching will go out from me, my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me, and for my arms they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment, and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever, and my deliverance will never be ended.
1: Good morning, everyone. Is this on? Hello, hello? All right, great. Uh, Hi, uh, my name's Kevin, uh, and I'm really grateful to be here this morning. Um, I preached here about six months ago or so, uh, and some of you may remember. (laughs) um, And back then, uh, the last time I was here, I started out my sermon by saying that I was really grateful and that it was an honor uh, and also a res- responsibility to preach the gospel in such tumultuous times, and I think that few of us would have guessed that six months later uh, everything would be so much worse, <laughs> that it would make those last six months ago seem like a utopia, but um, to be able to preach today is that much more still uh, a blessing and a burden, and I'm really Grateful to be able to bring the word of the Lord to you this morning. Uh, I bring up the state of the world uh, not to clear the air or to get the nervous laughter that we all just heard, uh, but because I think it's crucial to how I read the text this week, the text we just heard, and how I think that we're all able to hear it today. This text from Isaiah is really good news. It's really positive, it's hopeful, optimistic, inspiring. Uh, and as it took me on a journey this week, uh, I went through a variety of different emotions in response to it. Uh, and the main one that I started out with that I feel like I kind of have to confess to you this morning is that this text made me angry. Uh, I even scoffed at this passage and all of these promises that are up here. Uh, and part of that is because I had a really, really bad week at work. Uh, I work in Hollywood uh, for people who Uh, are currently living on the streets or formerly living on the streets. Um, And the first part of this week, uh, over and over, I was confronted with uh, the really terrible realities of homelessness and the systems that are supposed to be helping people. And kind of over and over, I watched those systems fail the people who are really vulnerable and need it the most. Um, So suffice to say that by about midweek, as I was really getting into this sermon, I had enough evidence for myself to kind of conclude that this world is too far gone, uh, that all the systems are broken, and that there's not a lot to hope for. And I, I don't tell you this just to bum you out. Um but just to be honest about where I'm coming from this week in bringing this Isaiah text to you. uh, And I bring it up because I think that we we all might be in a similar place. I mean, zooming out from my own experience this week, uh, it's kind of hard to have a lot of hope right now in the world. Um, Lines are being drawn in the sand in our nation around racial politics. Um, There's a lot of hate that's boiling to the surface right now. Uh, One of my friends and pastors this week wrote that this is a war for the very soul of this nation, and I I believe that this week. Uh, And these last few weeks, it has felt like the wrong side is winning of this war, uh, or at least that the wrong side is getting stronger. And I think a lot of similar exasperating things could be said about our tension with North Korea, the negative impacts of climate change on the developing world. Uh, It's just a hard, it's been a hard season. Uh, And when the news around is so bad and then you read a passage like this, uh, it's hard at least for me to to take it seriously. Uh, When I read about wildernesses becoming gardens and God's victory and triumph, it's really easy to say, yeah sure God, but when? When is that coming? I think now would be a really good time (laughs) for some of that, Uh, but it seems like promises like this always feel further and further away. And at first I had no plans to preach this text uh, for all those reasons. Um, I thought, you know, that's a nice text and all, but I think maybe right now we need something a little more tangible, something practical that we can work with, Um, all because I think it's hard to believe good news, or even hear it when the news around is so bad. But I was reminded this week of the world into which this text, this prophecy, was first heard and proclaimed. The Israelites who first heard this had lost everything, their land, their religion, their social structures, their whole sense of having a place in the world. And then here comes this word of promise. I wonder how ready they felt to hear it. And as I think back to all the times in scripture where promises and prophecies like this are made about the future and about the victory of God, uh, Isaiah 2 speaks of an end to war and uh, weapons and being beaten into plowshares which are tools for agriculture. Revelation 21 speaks of a new heaven and a new earth where every tear will be wiped away and there will be no more death. All of these passages were Passages were actually proclaimed at some of the worst times, at the times of persecution, of exile, when people like us were not really ready to hear them. Uh, And maybe the truth of the passage is that that's when we need it the most. And so once I believed that these words might be for me this week or for us this week, uh, they really began to preach to me in a way that I hope that they can preach to you today. So now that I've spent a lot of time talking about the world around us, uh, I want to read this passage again. It's, it's pretty short, um, just so that it's fresh in our hearts and minds as we go through it. So try, if you can, as I read this to you, to hear it, uh, as one author this week wrote, as a word to sustain the weary. If you feel tired this morning or exhausted about all the injustice and hopelessness in the world around you, uh, I think this word is especially for you today. Can we bring uh, the text back up? Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just read it. Oh, there it is. Perfect. So, uh, Isaiah 51, 1 through 6. It might be a slightly different translation, but um, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation. For a teaching will go out from me, and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me, and for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever and my deliverance will never be ended. Amen. (laughs) So a few observations that jump out uh, as we hear this the second time, specifically around the language that's chosen here. For one, there's a lot of imperatives, which means commands. There's a lot of commanding language. This text is urgent So if we're tempted or I was tempted this week to believe that this passage is simply just some nice things to think about and to hope for, uh, we're missing out that it's actually a call to action. And two, the tenses of the verbs here, they change back and forth from the past to the present to the future to active and passive, meaning that this isn't a passage only about stuff that's going to happen later. It's about stuff that has already happened that's happening right now and about stuff that's going to happen later. So already this passage uh, worked on me this week to defy my criticism that this is only something that's going to happen later that we're all just waiting for. So the proclamation begins by calling on those who pursue righteousness and those who seek the Lord. Now, I know enough about this church to know that these things describe you. You are a church that loves to do what is right. You do justice, you talk about it, you're working on reconciliation. I know this because I know your pastors, I see your chalkboard back there, you guys are doing this. And so you don't need another sermon, especially from me telling you to do justice, you guys are on it. Um, So today's word for you then, it's a word of encouragement. An author I read this week pointed this out, and it seems very obvious, but it really hit me that people who do justice are especially prone to discouragement. It's very easy to get discouraged when you're trying to do what's right. So for all of those of us who love justice this morning and feel like we might be losing a little bit of hope, Isaiah 51 is a word of hope. So the first offering of that hope is that God asks us to look to the past. The Israelites in this passage are reminded to look back to Abraham and Sarah and the fulfillment of the promises that were given to them. God promised Abraham that he'd be the father of many nations and that God would bless the entire world through him. And this is a really beautiful story for them to remember. It is absolutely crucial to their theology and their history. But anyone that's familiar with that passage knows that this was not an easy promise. It wasn't simple. It wasn't easily fulfilled. God made Abraham that promise, and then 10 years passed without having any children. So they tried to take matters into their own hands. Abraham had a child by their servant Hagar, and that did not go well. And so then 15 years later, after that, they finally had their first child. So almost 25 years since that promise was made until that promise was fulfilled. Could you imagine waiting that long for a promise from God? I mean, I would be maybe asking, hey God, why didn't you wait and make that promise till right before it was going to get fulfilled, right? That's like uh, finding a genie lamp and getting one wish and then it not being granted for 25 years. I, I give myself like, maybe a month before I thought that I would just, I had just been tricked. (laughs) This is is not happening. So being called to remember this story of Abraham and Sarah is a reminder that God's promises might be a long way out, but that they're still dependable. Another little part of this Abraham story that really stood out to me uh, is that it acknowledges that Abraham was but one when God called him, but God made him many And for those of us who seek justice and pursue righteousness, uh, it can always be, or it can often be a very lonely experience. Abraham felt like he was but one. And throughout the centuries, a lot of our best examples of justice and peace and righteousness in the Christian faith have struggled with these profound feelings of isolation. Uh, Dorothy Day, who's one of my heroes, She titled her memoir, The Long Loneliness. And other phrases like labor of love or the struggle often accompany these stories of people who did this hard work. It's so easy to feel alone uh, when we're doing God's work of justice in the world. But the word of God for us, if we feel that this morning, is that we're not alone, that God has made us many. And we can look around this room and see others who are doing this work We can look to the past and see those who have gone before us, Abraham, Sarah, Dorothy Day, Martin Luther King. We can see these people who experienced profound loneliness and struggle, but who saw God's work come through. And we can look to the future, and we can take courage that this is all headed in the right direction. It says the Lord will comfort Zion, which is the word that's used to describe the future city of God's people. God will comfort all the waste places and the wildernesses will be like the Garden of Eden. There will be joy and gladness and thanksgiving. Now, this is the part of the passage that is about the future and at first to me seemed a little out of touch. It's easy to read this part and say, how do we get there from here? How does a desert become a garden? And there's no simple answer to that other than to say that we will get there from here. As certainly as God has gotten us to this place, as certain as we can believe anything to be true about God, we must believe that this is where God is taking us. It may not feel like it in 2017 or really any of the 2010s, but if we look back to the rock from which we were hewn, we can see that the world is on a trajectory toward peace and justice. And for those of us this morning that dare to believe, we can actually see the world undergoing transformation and rest assured in the promises of where this is all headed. Is it going to take a lot of work from God? Yes. But God has already started. And that's the truth that this passage cannot wait to tell us next. So God says to listen again. God is going to send out a teaching of justice that will be a light to all people. This next part is so great. It says, my salvation has gone out and my arms will rule the peoples. Did you catch that? That God's salvation has gone out. It's already happened. It's already happening. That part is in the present tense, not the future. On this side of history, we actually get to read the Gospels and see Jesus, who is God's justice made flesh, and we get to read his teachings. It's already in motion, this salvation. It's happening in the church and outside of the church, in the world, in our lives. Monuments to racists are being torn down despite what is going on. People are packing up their tents after years of living on the street and moving into supportive housing. This Thursday, I got to see someone who had been looking for housing since I first started working there. Uh, He moved in on Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, the forces of chaos and destruction and racism and hopelessness and homelessness, they are, they're putting up a hell of a fight, but they are losing. Even in 2017, they are losing. Now, Jesus, who really loves quoting Isaiah, will uh, later echo this same idea when he says, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. All these promises that we're waiting for, they are already here. They're working beneath the surface and breaking down barriers in unexpected places until it reaches to the ends of the earth and back. Now this salvation that's that's talked about here, it's actually loaded with language of victory and triumph. Other translations don't even use the word salvation. They'll say deliverance or victory or triumph. And any time that Uh, the Old Testament talks about the arm of God like this passage does. It means victory in a battle or a war. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of God and battle and war, I get a little nervous. I think that we have a lot of evidence throughout history and even throughout Scripture of uh, that not going well when we conflate God and war and battle. But we should be reminded that Israel is not technically at war in this passage. The book of Isaiah goes even as far as to say that Babylon is God's instrument. Their enemy was an instrument of God during this exile. So the victory in this passage, it's not against an army or a people, but it's a victory in the struggle for justice. And so I think it's important to use this language of victory and triumph and salvation together Because it reminds us that in the struggle for justice, God takes a side. In light of what's going on in the world, it's important to acknowledge that God is not neutral about what's happening. Now, to be clear, we should always be questioning ourselves to ask if we are on God's side. Uh, We should never take that for granted. But don't let anyone suggest to you that God is not interested in the struggles of this world. This text and countless others remind us that God has an agenda, that others oppose that agenda, and then that creates conflict. God is not just going to swoop in one day, save everything, and and laugh at us for worrying about all these things. No, this is a God of victory, of triumph, that salvation has a side. The battle for justice, the struggle that we go through, it's not arbitrary, it's not for nothing. Now, making sure that we're on the same side of God is crucial because, as we've already said, we know who wins in the end. But don't let anyone tell you that salvation doesn't mean victory for justice. So finally, the passage asks us to look at one more thing, or rather to raise your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. This is the ultimate call of the passage. We should look to the heavens. And we should also look to the earth. We can't only look at one. So much of what goes wrong, I think, uh, with how Christians relate to the world is that we find ourselves in different camps, some of us looking too much at the earth and some of us looking too much at the heavens. As if we look only at the heavens, we forget about the world and its injustices and the side that God is on. You might find yourself saying that God is just going to take care of all of it and I don't have to worry about it. Let's just focus on going to church. (laughs) But if we look only at the earth, we miss out on the promises of grace that God has proclaimed are coming and that are already here. And we might find ourselves like I found myself this week feeling overwhelmed, like that there's nothing worth celebrating, that the world is too far gone. I found myself unable or maybe unwilling to look to the heavens this week and to the heavenly things that are happening here underneath the earth uh, until this passage preached to me. So we are called to be people who look back and forth to the heavens and to the earth constantly. We must be people who look at texts like this that promise a beautiful future and then immediately look back to the earth to the hopelessness in our world and then watch those two things collide. We must constantly live and look between heaven and earth until those two become one. We are people who are called to live between those two realities, between the old that's passing away and the new that is coming, between the now and the not yet. So until every wilderness is a garden, we must constantly look at that wilderness in search of water anticipating believing that the water is coming carving out pathways and channels for the water to one day flow planting seeds with the belief that they will be nourished the promise is that water will one day flow that the earth and the heaven will be made one so the call then is to hope with our hearts and our minds and with our hands and our feet so may god grant us ears to hear eyes to see Mouths to proclaim, minds to imagine, and hearts to hope. May God embolden our hands and feet to begin moving and acting in the belief that everything that God promises is coming true and will come true. So, God, I thank you for your word of hope to some weary lovers of justice this morning. God, I thank you for sustaining the weary. God, grant us faith to just believe it a little more each day.
2: Amen. You guys can stand to your feet. We'll sing one more song today. Such a great message. Thank you so much for that. Sing Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you said his feet. Darkness trembled. Jesus, Jesus, He silenced me. I just